Hello and welcome to Bombathopod. We are recording, brought to you live from the camp now. I was going to say Bombathopod live from the camp now, but actually you're not going to get it live. You're going to get it like a few days later. But just just let it be known we are actually there. This noise you can hear right now. Right, right now it's live. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> live to us. You're not hearing it live. It's, it's not. live to us and here at the camp now. And it, that is very real. Yes. Uh, a day back at the office for me. I've not been here since last season, which is weird because I was here every like three days for a while. And I haven't been here for, I think, two years, maybe a little bit less. But I also used to be here like all yeah. the time. This is pro. This is the stadium I visited the most in Spain since I used to live here. Yeah. So it's it's coming back. It's a bit déjà vu. The seats are a, a lot more uh, bleached, or what do you say? Yeah, the sun sun bleached. They've sun lost bleached their color a little bit. Than they used to be when I was here last. Much like me, like I'm getting a little bit grey. The hair's starting to turn. <laughs> the cam now is not as young as it was when I first started coming here, and nor am I. Nor so am I. there you go. Uh, We're so all getting older. A nostalgic occasion for us and also a big occasion for us because crazily enough we are now what 20 something I actually haven't checked. Let's say we're 28 episodes and I think that's a pretty good estimate to the season but <laughs> it is the first one that we do together this season which is kind of nuts. Because yeah. uh, uh, we're never in the same place, we're never exactly. in the same country and uh, it's a pretty nice day for it as well. It's sunny. Yeah, it's glorious. It's kind of, and I think this is most likely for both of us, I would guess, this is a big guess, this will be the first game we ever see at Camp Nou with three different Scandinavians on the pitch, one Swede, one Dane and one Norwegian. Hopefully it will happen place. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a very good chance. We haven't got the starting lineups yet, it's still a little bit too early. We're literally the first, of the first three people in the press box, I'm not going to say that there's a stereotype to be held to about people from the north being more efficient and on time, but there's a stereotype to be upheld. Um, I mean, this is the Scandi podcast. We need to kind of upheld being yeah. Scandi and being here early. you got to represent. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that I'm almost certain that all three of them will start and if they don't, then we'll definitely see them all over the course of the game. And, but the thing is that we're going to speak about this game a lot after this game. Yes. So this is, we're going to do this in two parts. You're going to get it all in one part, obviously. Uh, but this first part, we're going to spend to talk about what's happened during this week because it's been quite, quite a lot happening. It's been a big week and you've been a busy person during the week. So tell me all about you going to... I think out of most people that I know, probably one of the smallest places and smallest stadiums that even a seasoned football reporter in, in Spain covering La Liga will have been to. Yeah, and I mean, it was one of the biggest games I've been to. There's a copyright semi-final between Mirandes and Real Sociedad in Miranda de Ebro at Estadio Anduba, which I think, if I remember correctly, is the second to smallest stadium mm. in the second division in Spain. It takes a Almost 6,000, not even 6,000. The thing I noticed about it, just watching it on TV, I didn't have the pleasure of being there and you'll be able to fill me in, is that it was so small that they didn't have enough room to get enough cameras in to make a proper match day production. So if the ball was down at the opposite corner, it was actually really hard to see what was going on. It was so small that at least twice in the matter of, I think, five minutes, uh, because that's when I noticed it and probably happened more times during the game, the ball went out of the stadium. <laughs> out of the stadium. And it was so small and such a huge game that everyone wanted to go. The people were sharing chairs inside the stadium. I saw some were sitting in the stairs. Us media, there was way too much media than have ever, I would guess, been at the stadium ever. They put us in small radio cabins. That is the only thing that they have. Um, which is meant for two people and only two people can actually sit and work there and they threw us five in them. Uh, <laughs> so it was an interesting game. I stood up for 90 minutes, tried to find different spots during the game to actually see the game. Couldn't really work during the game, had to do it afterwards. So it's a very, very difficult working situation. And I also spoke to one of the cameramans and he said that it was completely <laughs> impossible 
Good luck. to do proper work during this game. And still, this was the biggest game that Real Sociedad as a club, if you ask them, have played in maybe 25 years or Easily. more. Yeah. Or more since the 80s. This is the like they are compared when they talk about this. This is the biggest happening for most Real Sociedad fans in their entire life mm. and for the players as well so Mikel Oerzabal after the game he was saying that this was the best day in his football career and asked about when Real were last in a final he said well when they were last in a final I wasn't born yeah I was gonna say he wouldn't remember it and the fact is so I thought about it after that because this is a young team and only two players in the entire squad were born last time Real Sociedad made a Copa del Rey final which was 32 years ago just Nacho Monreal and the second keeper Moya. Well, that's an interesting point that we should pick up then because I think most people, even people who have maybe followed Spanish football casually or whatever in the last 10 years, 15 years, they're familiar with Real Sociedad, the club. They'll maybe remember when they sort of almost had a title race at one point and they'll remember them from getting into the Champions League and being, you know, one of those teams that are sort of mid-table on their best day, maybe close to Europe or in Europe or whatever. They won't realise that for a while, this is one of the dominant clubs in Spain. This is one of the clubs that in the 80s, along with Athletic Club, were competing for most of the trophies that were available. So I think that, that shows how much of a massive deal this is because these fans have had to suffer for more than two decades when they've been accustomed to something completely different. So exactly. So in the 80s, Real Sociedad won La Liga twice. Uh, they could have won it more. Mm. They went to the Copa del final twice as well. And they were like always, during the entire 80s, they always, always around the top teams, mm. was one of the giants in Spanish football. And like some of the journalists and, and people I've got to know in San Sebastian, being there quite a lot this season and also a little bit before that, covering like some of them, they were kids during that, that yeah. time, the 80s. And that's the Real Sociedad they grew up with, which was this huge. Um, and, and now when, when they see this happening, they are like, when you talk to them, they're talking about the, the generation who's lost out on this. They, because they, they look at these, these kids, like all that are up to 32 years old mm. and, and even older than that because they were so small when it happened. They, they never got to experience this with Real Sociedad and this is the first time they actually get to see it. Um, like uh, one of my friends, Miguel Recalde, who, who works at, uh, at one of the big local newspapers in, in San Sebastian, he, he told me before, before the game that for, this is a lost generation. Yeah. And for these, like this entire generation have never, it's not just that they haven't seen Real Sociedad win a title or make it to a final, they have never seen Real Sociedad do a important game yeah. in Copa del Rey because over the last couple of years Real Sociedad have always been knocked out in the first or second round of the Copa del Rey and been knocked out by second division teams. It's a long time since they even managed, until the season, yeah. that they even managed to beat a first division team in the Cup. So they haven't, if we take Athletic, which we're going to talk about later, they have had all these Cup success and, and things like that because in, in La Liga you can't win La Liga, yeah. it's very difficult. But where you can do stuff is in these knockout tournaments and Real Sociedad haven't had that they're always gone out so early so so he said it's according to him it was 25 more than 25 years since they last had uh, uh, a game that was of the magnitude and that felt the importance um, as this game and in, in the Copa del Rey so it's not just that it's a new thing of being able to win a title or making it to a final is that this is the first time this generation actually get to see Real Sociedad compete in a, in a knockout tournament. A small detail that I always think is quite telling is that a, there are quite a lot of uh, Catalan journalists I know whose sort of second team is Real Sociedad because they are all more or less in their 30s so mm -hmm. they, they were around or they were kids when Real Sociedad were winning stuff and because there wasn't the same rivalry, Athletic and Barca had quite a strong and quite a, a nasty rivalry at times like in terms of like violence breaking out in the pitch. 
so th there wasn't that to stop them from liking them so a lot of them think quite fondly about Real Sociedad and I noticed that when they confirmed their place in the final quite a lot of people on my timeline who I was like wait what what was the feeling like and there when you were because there was a lot of Real proportionally a lot of Real Sociedad fans there as well so uh, how did it feel when it when First when the goal goes in, but more above all at the final whistle when it's confirmed. So, so the thing is, as I said before, the stadium takes just under 6,000 and there was a bit more than 1,000, I think 1,200, 1,300 Real Sociedad fans there who had got tickets as Real Sociedad fans. There was a few here and there who had managed to buy season tickets to Mirandes. There was a few that actually did that just to go to this game as members of Mirandes uh, to support Real Sociedad. And I know that there had been someone tried to sell a ticket to this game on the internet for 400 euros and I also knew there was some rest of that fans that were like offering to pay 300 euros to get some tickets so it's a huge huge yeah. deal for them um, I mean it was a which we're gonna come to because we're gonna talk about it on this and this as well I think we should um, to explain how big it was for them so it was the biggest game probably ever for them uh, so it was completely full as I said but there was a lot a lot of real Sociedad fans and when, when the goal went in, I was actually very close to the Real Sociedad fans because that was in the first half where I, I was standing um, on that side more. Um, and it was complete explosion, obviously. And, and also the fact, I think, that Oyarzabal did it and the way he did it from the penalty spot. We could go into the Sabi Prieto, Oyarzabal, uh, taking kind of trying to to take over becoming that symbol of Real Sociedad which is never going to be like Sabi Prieto but he's he's getting as close as I guess you you can um, and just the fact that he's so good from uh, 11 meters just like Sabi Prieto was and the yeah. way he did it so confident and, and the Real Sociedad fans I think have been quite underrated because of how Anoeta was built before mm. with the with the running tracks it kind of didn't give you the the justified uh, atmosphere from from what they were actually you didn't creating. get a fair picture yeah, yeah. of how they were and, singing and like this season when they've had a, a true stadium it's been for me one of the best experience not the best but one of the best experience in Spain is going to Anoeta because the fans are so passionate and they are, are so great and you saw that in this game as well um, and and when they go in and then after the final whistle it was you could really notice that this this wasn't just your everyday when this wasn't just a win over a second division team, this was something really, really special. Like the players, they started jumping and at each other and yeah. kind of falling to the ground, is going crazy. And so did the fans and the Real Sociedad. So basically I had an entire short stand, which is kind of long, full of Real Sociedad fans. So the players the would go yeah. there and kind of did a tribute round. You could yeah, say. yeah, God of Honor. God of Honor, and they did it. And then they did one more. Yeah. And then they did one more. And there was a point where the players were like, okay, this is where we should go back and they started going back towards where you go out and then they were like no and then they went back and there was actually a few of them that went to the dressing room and then came out again because they realized like no we're not done yet and it just wouldn't end but what what was really cool and what speaks a lot about both Real Sociedad and Mirandes and I think a lot of teams in the north and especially Basquegin uh, and their fans is what happened after the game mm -hmm. which was that the stadium was completely full. The Mirandes uh, fans didn't go home. The Mirandes players didn't leave the pitch. Um, and we had a moment where at one side of the pitch, the Mirandes players were by their fans and they were singing. On the other side, the Real Sociedad fans were and they were singing. If you had walked in at that moment, you couldn't say which team had gone through. We will talk at length even more about Real Sociedad today, so I'm conscious of the time. But yeah. I want to, as you said, give some credit to Mirandes. I said during our, let's call it a production meeting, and by production meeting I mean we were eating lunch uh, before this, that, that I was really, really impressed with how 
uh, Iriola set them up in both legs. I thought that you have to keep in mind that this is a team with one of the lowest salary limits in the Segunda. So not doesn't just have low salary compared to La Liga side, it has low salary players compared to teams in its own division. For them to push them the way that they did, for them to press them the way that they did, and I think you can see the influence of his old coach uh, Marcelo Bielsa in that, says volumes about him as uh, and his ability as a coach. And the other thing that is really striking that we talked about before is that he they were so good at that that Real Sociedad had to change the way they played in the second leg. They went far more often for the long long ball, abandoned, not completely abandoned, but at least put a lot less faith and focus in trying to play out from the back because it's too difficult. And in the first leg, they got themselves into problems in those situations. I think that the first leg was one of the worst games that Real Sociedad has played this season, especially mm. at the, the last part of the season. And it wasn't, it was a little bit because I think the players was a bit caught up with how important it was in the moment of it. But it was a lot of credit to, to Mirandes and yeah. Mirandes, especially, definitely in the Copa, even though La Real have been playing against first division teams. Mirandes is the one that actually pushed them in a way that no other team no, has. absolutely. And been the one that been the, the closest, even in the end, they weren't that close uh, to actually do the, the comeback. But also what I want to point out here is to explain just how big this was. Um, mm. And would you get the feeling when you were there, like, so Miranda de Ebro is a really small city. So you can take the entire population of the, that's, that city and they wouldn't even, three times that city wouldn't even fill the stadium that we're sitting in right now. <laughs> uh, just to give a little bit of perspective of where Real Sociedad played last yeah. three days ago and where they were playing today. Um, and you get into the city, so basically I had to stay at a hotel that was outside by the motorway because all the hotels were fully booked. Everyone's dream hotel. Um, the, this is a, such a small city that you don't really need to take a taxi, but I kind of thought I would have to because I was by the motorway and could walk. So I took the taxi there, but then they told me I could actually, there was a way, way where I could walk and it actually took me 30 minutes to go get to the other side of the city. Uh, but the, the guy at the hotel told me also that because of, of that day and the magnitude of that game, they had been calling in taxis from Victoria. This is a city <laughs> where you don't need a taxi normally. Call and reinforce. So I had called in taxis from Victoria that would spend the day there. Uh, and then when you walk into the city, so I obviously come in from kind of the motorway um, and you, the first thing I see is a gas station, Mirandes flag in the window. Um, then I see a man out with his dogs, Mirandes shirt on. And you, you just notice like directly, but every step you take, the magnitude of this match for the stadium, I walked by a bakery, they were, had like Mirandes scarves and they had put up all kind of decorations for Mirandes and they even had put microphone uh, speakers outside the bakery's entrance playing the Mirandes hymn Amazing. over and over and over again and then you walk a little bit more and every single building home apartment but stores restaurants is Mirandes stuff in the windows everywhere um, and then you just kind of walk off to the sound and you just see, you think you've like come to, okay, here's where the Mirandes fans are, but that was just a little bit. And then the next and next, uh, there were some guys who had made their own small orchestra, um, drums and trumpets, and you stood on the street playing in Mirandes clothes. Um, and then finally I managed, uh, I came to a street that was just completely packed with Real Sociedad and Mirandes fans, completely mixed. Like I said before, this is the Basque country. Yeah. I mean, Miranda, Miranda de Ebro is just outside of the Basque country, but it's the same kind of feeling. And everyone is just singing together and just party together. Then, you know, when the fans do the march to the stadium, mm -hmm. so first the Mirandes fans start and you see all the red splits from the, the rest and these walk and, and sing. And then when they have started coming a bit, then the Real Sociedad fans start and they basically walk off to them. Brilliant. Uh, so you have the, and I thought this was the main part of the Real Sociedad fans. It wasn't. <laughs> so I just walked with all of them to the stadium. We get to the stadium and it's completely packed. I managed to find a, a spot where I could stand up and actually have an overview. 
um, for when the players bus came and the Mirandes players came by foot and the Real Sociedad fans uh, players by, by bus and this is incredible atmosphere and then I thought everything was done so I went to go and get my accreditation which was a long line and that's where the Real Sociedad fans actually arrived so the ones that I thought was like the main part was not so this is the magic of a proper cup cup competition yeah. and the, the change in format, the, the changes that have been made to the Copa del Rey have paid off instantly in that regard and I don't think anyone, or at least I've not met anyone yet or no one's expressed to me yet that they preferred the way it used to be to what's happened here but I'm conscious also of the time and that we haven't even mentioned the other magic if yeah. you like which is slightly less striking and slightly less romantic but still great and, and not not least because of what it leads to, what's going to happen in the final now. Oh, we have an all-bass final thanks to Athletic Club also getting through. It was slightly trickier for them, but well, they got the job done. And what I think is interesting is that with Real Sociedad, they've gone through the cup winning every every game kind of comfortable. And Athletic's way to the final has been completely different. So they've gone through on penalties, they've gone through on uh, extra time goal, they have gone through uh, scoring last minute, going, going through on away goal uh, as now in the in the semi final. So their their way to the final has been a lot trickier. And as we said before when we were talking as well, that uh, Real Sociedad this season is football wise probably much much better than than Athletic where they are. But Athletic, they have the experience in another way. And even though you can say yeah, but it's maybe just this and this player has been in a Copa final before, but it's not. It's about that. It's about having the experience of playing big games, the experience of playing football for a long time, and and being in this type of games. While the Real Sociedad players are quite young, um, it's it's even though as we said a million times, they're very mature for their age and blah blah blah. This is the magnitude of this. We don't really know how that's going to affect them. It could then take them completely off mm. guard. Uh, so I think this final is super duper hard to predict when we get there. I agree. And it's, it's really strange to understand Athletic in general this season because their, their league campaign has really just deflated over the last like month and a half, maybe two months. They've completely tailed out. And it felt like everything hinged on this game and, and them getting to the final. And there was a huge amount of pressure that we shouldn't discount as well because mm -hmm. Real Sociedad were already through for them to get the job done and they coped with it. And, and for Athletic, we've been talking about how big this is for Real Sociedad, but it is for Athletic as well. Sure, they've been in a lot of Copa del Rey finals in the last couple of years, but they haven't been in a final where there is a feeling that they could actually win. They've been up against yeah. Barcelona and this time it's against Real Sociedad that is their arch rival. But this is also, you can feel when you listen to Athletic fans, when you talk about Athletic, that this is their chance to actually win a title and win the Copa again, which they haven't done since the 80s, I think. It's their best chance to win a major trophy, I think, since at least the Atletico Madrid Europa League final. And even then, I think by the time that final came around, even if halfway through the season, you could have maybe tossed a coin to see who would be the better team between those teams. By the time that that final came around, it was obvious already that Bielsa's Atletico were dead on their feet and they were going to have a hard time against Atletico who are still in very good shape. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a huge occasion. Um, um, without going into detail to it, because we don't have time and we're going to talk about it later, but I think we also ha have just to say and give credit to Granada because they've done an incredible season, both in the league but in the Copa. This is a team that's newly promoted to La Liga and what they've done is incredible. And I think they were really, really close uh, to be the one going to the final. They were 2-0 up and just got that away goal against them in, in the end of the match and they've done an incredible campaign and I also think that Diego Martinez who is one of the who is the youngest coach in La Liga has been done an incredible job for his first job in La Liga. Yeah he's someone who you feel like has a, a big future not least um, with a club that he is has a connection to from earlier in his career Sevilla who you never know how the coaching situation is going to go there he hasn't done himself any any harm whatsoever by what he's done in the Copa run. Uh, I guess we should probably wrap up because we're going to have another good spell where we talk yep. about what happens in this game. But one thing, I, one final storyline that I wanted to point out because I don't know if it's 
necessarily been talked about that much, or it's at least not that I've noticed, is that Aris Aruris, he retires, uh, as far as I, yeah, I recall, uh, this summer. So, so picture this, Copa del Rey oh final. Last game in an athletic club shirt. 90th minute. <laughs> now, now, Aduris winner, can you imagine? I mean, that would be incredible. Uh, I mean, for egoistical reasons, for Bombazo podcast reasons, and for Scandi reasons, um, I would really love to, to see Alexander Isak and Martin Adegard and, and Real Sociedad be able to win that trophy and everything that means. But if Athletic wins it, and especially if they win it in that way with Aduris, I mean, it would be one of the most incredible things uh, that you can witness. I agree. And I think I have nothing to base this on at all, but my, my gut feeling is that, like, logically, from the way they're playing, I should tell you that I think Real Sociedad also were months away so anything could yeah. change. Logically I should tell you Real Sociedad are like massive favourites and they should win it but mm. just something about Atleti, they have more experience, they have certain people there and also they kind of don't need to play well to win if you know what I mean and I, don't, I feel like Real Sociedad do. Exactly and I think that comes back to the magnitude of this game because it's a Copa final, it's something very very different from, from a normal league game or, or anything like that. And I think this could be a moment where the inexperience of the Real Sociedad team is really going to play against them. And it will be really interesting to see how those players handle the magnitude of that game, what it means being against your arch rival in first final in 32 years for your club. That's a lot, a lot of pressure. Um, and then, as you say, they, they need to kind of play well to, to, to win. While Athletic is a team that that don't necessarily have to be that fantastic in how they play, but they are just so strong and so mentally strong and, and so smart in so many ways that, yeah, I could definitely, I, I, for, for me, this game is completely impossible to predict. Yep. You can say like Real Sociedad is better at this, Athletic is better at this, they have that advantage and they have that advantage. In the end, I think they kind of equal each other out and, and this game can go either way. Yeah, no, I'll roll out the cliche, it's a derby. Anything can happen in a derby. Shall we wrap it up there? Because yeah. we have got a massive We're 90 or so minutes of football to see in a little bit of time. Yeah, and then we'll be back. So for you guys, it's going to be a very short break. For us, we're going to have to find a way to kill two hours because we come way too early. <laughs> Barcelona won, Real Sociedad now. Um, I don't know about you, a weird game because, well, I don't think that either team was at the best that they could potentially be. I thought that Real Sociedad, probably more than any other game that I saw them play at the Camp Nou for a long time, really could have taken something from this. And then they end up going home empty-handed, which is bizarre because of a strange goal as well that none of us really expected. To be fair, I think Brazil did a really good game, especially considering that three days earlier they played a game what we said before earlier, like the most important game in that club's history for a very, very long time and went all out with that and they have a very tight schedule at the moment. They have a game again in three days because they have to play the Eibar game that is a, a derby for them and also very special. Um, so with all that considering, I think, and as you say, I think this was a time where you saw that it felt like they would get away with at least nil-nil mm. or we had that really close chance that actually wouldn't have been counted as a goal if it was a goal because yeah. of the entire bar thing. Uh, so it felt that this was a time where Real Sociedad really, really could have, have taken that point from Barcelona and kind of deserved to do it as well and the way that they didn't get it hurts a little bit more than it would otherwise. But the performance, I think, will at least give them some confidence. You know, they, they continue to play the, the way of playing football that they always do. One thing that I, I don't think we even talked about, but, but um, even after the game when we were talking to each other in the mix zone and working, is that 
<laughs> there's one part of this game which is crazy where Real Sociedad have so much of the ball that the Camp now starts booing this team that's like passing the ball around. It's like almost like you've gone into a parallel universe. You know, Barcelona, this team that's known for being patient in possession and in dominating possession of games, their fans are now booing an opponent, an opposition team that's coming there and basically doing what Barcelona used to do. It was quite striking. Yeah, it definitely was. And I think it says a lot about both teams at the moment and where they are in, in their in their harmony, in their situation and how they play football these days. And I think like you could feel also with the Real Sociedad, I think when they came out at the start of the first half, they were just on Barcelona directly and also in the first the start of the second half. And you could feel this confidence of a team that you normally don't see when they come to Camp Nou mm. or Barnabeu. But you can, you can really feel with this team that they know that they are capable of, of doing these kind of things. And it's, um, it's as we have said so many times, it's a very young team. Um, when I spoke to Alexander Rizek after the game, yep. he, he pointed out that we have a very young team, but we have a very, very brave team. Mm. Uh, and we, uh, we go for it because we know we can and we can beat these teams and we've shown it before. Uh, and I think you can really notice that, that they are, they're not afraid for, for one bit and they, they see themselves being at that level. And that's why they can challenge, even though they have played a game three days earlier that was such a big game for them, while Barcelona's had an entire week of rest. Uh, so let's talk about individual players. We'll come back to Isaac because we've got a little bit more to hear from, from him directly as well at the end. But first of all, Martin Brathway, I know that you were impressed by it. The one thing that struck me after this game, I was talking to like journalist friends and people I know uh, in the, the press box and then down in the mix zone afterwards. A lot of people were saying like he does exactly what Barcelona need. The thing that no one else is doing pretty much in the team, with the exception of maybe Ansu when he plays, but there's other questions, he's younger or whatever, is like his movement off the ball as well, and this to make runs without the ball. And already you're seeing, I was talking to, to Mark Brown, La Liga TV commentator, who watches a ton of football, you're seeing already that even though he's only been there for a couple of weeks, Messi's given him the ball. And there's this kind of like hierarchy of decision making at Barca that's basically based on does Messi give you the ball or not? And if after only two weeks Messi's looking for you with his passes, it's a really good sign. Uh, what do you think of his game? Yeah, I thought it was, like, as I said before, I think that Real Sociedad went out the best, and they started the best, and it felt like, okay, Real Sociedad is gonna score soon. And then suddenly you have this chance where, I think it was quite a mediocre pass from Messi or something like that, that Martin Bradway just turns yeah. into this huge chance. And basically after that, the entire feeling of Barcelona changed, and it was several chances that was just created by him and his runs mm. and doing very much out of very little and he just felt that he was the dangerous part of Barcelona and he was the one taking Barcelona back into the game and giving Barcelona the chances of like taking over the game where had I'm unsure that had he not been on the pitch that Real Sociedad might have turned, the game would have looked very very differently and Real Sociedad would have taken more control of it quite early on. His touch is very good as well. Like you said, he can turn a bad pass into a semi-decent pass because his control is very good and how it sets him for his, his movement afterwards. One thing I wanted to I wanted to speak to him after the game. We, we didn't get to speak to him. Nobody got to speak to him because it's, you know, it's like a, a matter of life and death trying to speak to anyone at Barca these days post-match. But I wanted to ask him if he had been studying the kind of movements that, that he has to make if he's a Barcelona forward because like we said before, it's very different to being a Leganes forward and he's adapted so incredibly quickly. It turns out someone did actually ask him this in an interview. Uh, last week I found out today and he did say that he says I've been watching so I know exactly what's needed and I think that's really telling on the pitch already and when he went off it was a really warm applause from the camp now and now I, I mean I think I think without being biased which we evidently are if we try to deny it I, I don't think it'd be unfair to see he was among the best three Barca players on the pitch yesterday sure. if for not sure. the best one to be honest for sure in my, um, my opinion like I said before I think he 
he did such a huge difference in the term, terms of how the game went like from very early on and had he not been on there I have a very hard time seeing how this game would not see Real Sociedad mm. take complete control in the first half. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about VAR and the goal necessarily so much because there's going to be quite a lot yeah, of but talk I, about it. I have another one I want to ask you about yeah. and it's the, the free kick situation with Lionel Messi which I found was I think a lot yeah. of us found quite interesting the way that Real Sociedad uh, place themselves mm. uh, in, in defending that free kick, which we, we all know who watch Spanish football, that a free kick for Lionel Messi is bigger chance of becoming a goal than a penalty for Lionel Messi, and free kick is basically what a penalty is for, for Messi yeah. has become. Um, and Real Sociedad, they, they put their players all over the, yeah. the penalty box, they had three players, the goalkeeper and two players standing in the goal, yep. and then they were spread out. I personally, like now Messi had a quite bad free kick, so we didn't really get to see if it was a smart decision or not, mm. I'd say. But from my point of view, I thought that, I mean, we know that it's so hard to stop a Messi yeah. free kick and she just have so many people in the way instead of doing a normal wall. Yeah. For, for me, that was a quite smart uh, and interesting. It, it comes from Imanol Agusil, which we've talked about a lot and earlier today in this episode as well about how impressed we are with yeah. his coaching. Uh, for me, this was something I did not expect, but no. I found, like, why have no one done this before? Well, they have. That's the thing that I found out, So, oh, really? but, but not for a long time. So apparently, I can't remember which team it was. It was a manager who used to do this way back in the 1970s. That's how he would set up his team to defend a free kick. I, off the top of my head, I don't know the source of that. So I wonder if that's, if he's, I mean, Alwasio seems like a bright guy who's a student of the game. Maybe he's found this innovation or someone on his coaching team have found this innovation or this example and said, it's a smart idea because you block effectively every space that Messi could shoot to. But here's the thing, it works once. It doesn't work the second time. Yeah. Because Messi is incredibly smart. So the second time, he puts someone on the shoulder, one of the guys, and he makes a cross instead of a shot, and someone heads a ball in and it's a goal. So, but it's, it's a cool, it's, I, I like seeing inno, like innovations, or I like seeing unusual things on football pitches, because more and more these days, we don't really get to see that. There's, there's very little occasion to see something that you've never seen before in your hours and hours of pouring over football. So that was cool. And it says something about him, a guy who, I mean, we've been talking about this a lot, a guy who's surprised both of us, I think, but we didn't expect from, from what he did last season uh, to be the kind of coach that he's ended up being and who has been, to use the Spanish phrase, probably the, an inverted commas, revelation coach of the season. And who, I think if he keeps this up, it's not going to do his reputation any harm, even though I think that he is he's a Real Sociedad man through and through and he's... He's living the dream right now, it's, probably. It's, it's just his uh, reaction on his press conferences before and after the Miranda's yeah. game. Before the before the game, he basically left. The, he did his press conference, stood up just like normal, and started to walk out like normal. And he just screamed, "Vamos Boreos!" Um, and after the the game, he also had an outburst right there where he's like screamed, "Just Alpareala" uh, or something like that. He's really, really a Real Sociedad man. I think that is also really important for what yep. they're doing right now and having the team that they have where even though we talk a lot about the foreigners in that team the the base of that team is kids basically who's grown up in in san sebastian and, and in the area and, and are real Sociedad fans and, since they were kids and to have a coach that has the same um passion for yeah. the club and in pushing that out on the pitch i think is is that's a lot. There are actually, ironically enough, because the Real Sociedad were not looking for it, there are some quite strong parallels in some ways with uh, Guardiola sort of coming through and taking charge at Barca. It's like beyond his, his excellence as a coach, because Alguacil evidently is a very, very good coach, an innovative coach, as we're seeing, as someone who's a proactive coach, someone who's also a flexible coach, which we saw against Mirandez, that he, he has more than one trick. 
he can change his tactics the way they played last season is not the same as the way they played this season but above all someone who has a connection with the club and what it means to play for that club and to, to live and die for that club basically and what that transmits to the fans and then there's this perfect fusion as well with the stadium finally being the, the work at the stadium being finished so they have their own home that they're proud of, coach that they're proud of, team that they're proud of, academy players coming through that they're proud of, playing a kind of football that they're proud of. I mean, it's such a perfect fusion at a perfect moment if you're if you're following Real Sociedad right now. I mean, then to top the season off with a, a cup at the end would be would be perfection, really. There's not much more you can ask. Um, let's wrap up by talking about Alexander Isak, who we're going to hear from before we finish. Uh, I wanted to ask you about something, because one comment I'd, I'd made during the game to you is but. This whole rotation thing between him and William Jose, which obviously has shifted post-Christmas to being Isaac the, the starter and William Jose coming off the bench. I wonder now if it's not getting a little bit frustrating because I've found that in recent weeks, often it's been when Isaac's really grown into the game, the moment at which it seems like he's most likely to do damage, and Alguacil makes a change. Yeah. You, you asked him a little bit about something on that theme, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And uh, before I get into what his reply was, um, like I think that from the start, that, that idea has been genius, like how he did from the start of the season where when William Jose was a starter and then got Isaac on quite, all, uh, quite early. It's like made that Real Sociedad have two players who have constantly been playing throughout the entire season without being overplayed and with like reaching their peaks at, at different parts as well. So they got so much out of it and I think it's been, been really smart in that sense. I also think that at times he's been very wise in when he's picked what player to play. Like we saw against Mirandes, as we talked about earlier, that Villan Jose was probably was the right pick to start in that game because he was the one who fits best in, in that situation. But I agree with you that there is moments, and yesterday was definitely one of those, where where you feel like this is not the time to take off Alexander Isak. This is the time where it's the best time to have him on the pitch. And, and I asked, uh, asked Alex about that after, after the game and like, isn't it frustrating? And he was actually quite honest about it, which I yeah. was a little bit surprised that, that he wouldn't just deflect the question. But he was quite honest about it and he said that, that absolutely, that he feels that the, when all the players are starting to get tired, he has all yeah. his energy left and he's just ready to go for it and then he's being subbed off. But then he, he said, as. Uh, as being the respectful player that he is, that, yeah. that he respects the decision and it's a coach decision and if he thinks it's the best then, then he has to do that and he just has, has to, to respect it. But it was quite interesting to actually like said that, yeah, I feel that the, the other players are getting mm. tired and I have all my energy left. And that yesterday, I felt like that was Real Sociedad's best chance to get back into it and yeah. get, get a goal and get, get a draw to keep Isak because he, he's fast, yeah. he runs. Um, and when he has the energy, and you can see that his energy was not gone. No. He had full on, and he said that himself. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a little bit... It, it's like I said before, I think it's a system that has worked for them very well. But at some points and some games, maybe that's not the way to go. And I think this time, uh, it wasn't. And I think as well, yesterday, one of the things that a few people I know were talking about after was that Gerard Piquet was, in, was physically in some discomfort by the end of the game. Um, but Barcelona are so stretched right now and uh, they basically have one backup centre-back so they, if possible they want to avoid using them because you could end up in a situation where you don't have enough people um, and you've got more games coming up thick and fast. But Piquet was pretty much the one guy that really was stopping Isaac from, from making a, a big impact. There was a couple, there was a really heroic block that he makes at one point where Isaac's gone completely free and, and plays a, a cross in and if Piquet doesn't get to it, it's a tap-in and Real Sociedad score. So, I wonder if Alguacil, who's again is a relatively new coach at this level, 
I'm sure when, when the dust settles and his, his analysis team look back on the game and maybe look at some of the decisions, what did they get right, what did they get wrong, I'm sure it'll be something that they'll pick up on and say, OK, maybe this time we didn't read this situation well enough uh, and they'll, they'll probably learn from it. So any closing comments before we hear from the man himself then? And we got a quick word with Alexander Izak in the mix, which is great. No, not really. I think it's yeah. leave the floor to, to the, the Swede. So here he is then, the, the Swede, the man himself, Alexander Izak. Well, the first one's like a general one, so how do you feel like your adaptation is going because you only came here, it's your first season in La Liga and already it looks like you've been here for a long time, do you feel like you're comfortable now that you've, you've understood what this football is about? Uh, yeah, of course, uh, but I think, uh, I think this football suits me very good, so I think that uh, has helped me a lot. But of course, it's my first season, and I feel still I've done good stuff. But uh, I feel like I can do more, and I feel like I have a lot of a uh, lot of to to develop. So uh, yeah, for me, it's just to work, keep working. What do you think the difference in level is between these two teams? Because if someone had never seen La Liga before and they watched this game for the first time, is Real Sociedad who are playing the ball out from the back, who are comfortable in possession? You guys are, in a lot of ways, playing the kind of football that's associated with Barca, but it's you that's doing it. I think. Uh, I think we're doing good. We have a very young team, but I think uh, we are very hungry, hungry for success. And I think, uh, yeah, we are pushing, pushing them uh, very good. And I think we play the same way with whoever we play against. Uh, but of course, we, we lose today, and, uh, and, and of course that's frustrating. But yeah, we have to keep uh, looking forward. You have another game coming up soon, so it's just to move on, turn the page, and keep going, right? Yeah, three days, and we have we play Abar, so we just have to forget and bring the good stuff and uh, and make sure we get three points there. Can I feel man? Let's bro. Okay, that was Real Sociedad striker Alexander Izak, who we got a quick word with following the, the narrow defeat they had at the Camp Nou and ahead of another busy week where they're playing Abar in just a few days. And by the time you hear this podcast, it's a couple of days. I guess that's us for, for Bombatho Pod for this yeah, week. Yeah, and that's wrapping up a good weather day in, in Barcelona. Yeah, who knew it? A sunny day in Barcelona. Yeah, it never happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For once, for once, climate change folks. It's, it's as unusual as us recording the podcast together. Yes. In the same place. Yes, let's see if it happens again. Who knows? Maybe this will be the end. It's not the end, guys. It's the end of this episode, though. It is. Um, it so is. I guess there's no better way than to close out in the local language yeah. and say, Kebaji way. Adeo. 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 All right, man. We done. <laughs>